Welcome back to the Messy Financial Podcast. I'm Felipe Medina, Certified Financial Planner, Senior Vice President with IHG Wealth Management. And I'm Chad Sewell, Certified Financial Planner, Senior Vice President with IHG Wealth Management. And like always, uh, to make sure before we get into the soup and nuts of our podcast, we have to satisfy our compliance. So information mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be, be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. IHT is a registered investment advisor with SEC. And uh, with that, I uh, say so we jump right in here and you know, I think we have a lot to cover today. I know we it's been a, a couple of months since we've done a podcast. I think we've sent out update emails to our clients. But uh, Chad, is there anything in particular that you want to start with and take a look at uh, that we're looking at or paying close attention to with with all the things going on right now? Well, I think, Felipe, the, the big thing that I would talk through here is uh, I think what's what's happened is coming off of last year, there's obviously... Um, a large amount of bearishness that just exists with the market. And over the past almost six months now, I mean, we're, we're sitting here today's Tuesday, the 27th, and this we're, we're recording this as the market's trading today. Um, but the, for, for this first six months, we've basically just heard, Oh, this, this won't last. This won't last. This won't last. This won't last. And now we're getting to that point of, you know, we're closing the first half of the year and it seems like the the headlines are as strong as ever that that this is all just kind of uh, a fake run, if you will. And you know, we we said early in the year with our market outlook that we thought we'd see a really strong year, or at least the uh, the the analytics set up to to support based on what had happened to that point coming off last year, and so far into the to the early trading year because we record that mid-january that what we were seeing would actually statistically speaking support a good year in the market more so than it would support a a flat year not even a down year but a flat year so we we were sitting in the camp that we thought this would be a good year in the market as the this has progressed and as we continue to see some of these um what i would argue manufactured headwinds I, what you and I talked about coming into this was let's talk through what the market has done and why we think where it's going to head is where it's going to head. And so using that as a backdrop and as our jumping off point, one of the things that, and I've shared this with a, a handful of my clients that I've talked to over the last few weeks, but not too long ago, just a few days early uh, part of June, actually it was June 8th, the S&P 500 officially entered a bull market. And what's interesting, just as a side note to that, is um, this wasn't something that was, at least that I saw, that was hev heavily covered by the mainstream media, right? Like I didn't see any headlines on CNBC or anything really that popped up that talked about the the market actually reaching a bull market. And that's coming off of the October 12th trading lows, right? So from October 12th to June 8th, it took 165 trading days to surpass that 20% qualifier. 
So meaning the market gained 20% from the October lows to, to June 8th. And once that 20% is reached, that's the technical qualifier for a bull market. Interestingly enough, and, and I don't know if this, this matters too much, but it's the second longest period to confirm a new bull market in roughly 75 years. It, the reason I even bring that up anecdotally is just because, you know, a lot of this has almost been, oh gosh, this is just a, this is just like a bear market bounce, right? So the implicit in that is that this is just some quick run up in the market. But when you look at it statistically, it's been the second longest period of time for us to get up 20%. So the idea of this just being a quick jump, it doesn't jive with what the, st the statistics say long-term. And part of that is why I bring this up is, so what happens after we reach a bull market, especially coming off of a bear market? Um, that after we reach a bull market, the meet, the average and the median returns are 18 to 19% for the next 12 months. So if we look at it from June 8th as our line of demarcation, where we've, we've entered the bull market, one year forward, the average and median returns are 18 to 19%, which, and this is all sourced from LPL's research team, that that time forward, it would, you know, kind of the expectation would be if history repeats itself is that the market's going to return so, something just under 20% from June 8th of 23 to June 8th of 24. Um, of course, as we know with averages, that doesn't mean that that number is what's going to be hit. But at least historically speaking, that's how good the market does after it reaches a, a new bull market. Um, and then like in terms of duration, like how long do these bull markets last? Well, since 1929, the average bull market lasts right about 40 months. And the return over that 40-month 40 40 period is an average gain of about 130%. If you were to clip out of there the Great Depression era, so that's from 29 to 39, the bull market average length actually increases from 40 months or roughly 40 months to 51 months. And the average return increases from roughly 130% up to roughly 147%. So the you know, all, all that to be said is the fact that we've in, entered a new bull market would, would give, it's a long to me confirmation towards not only has the market seen its lows from October, which is something I, we've been saying for a few months now, but that we should see higher highs moving forward. As a follow-up from our last market update email that uh, I think I was sent out in middle part of May, just off the top of my head. Um, one of the things that I mentioned in mind was that, you know, we're going to see the, like we're entering a seasonally weak part of the year. Summer months are generally a little bit slower. And uh, which doesn't mean that we're going to see some major sell off. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we'll see a big run of uh, volume drops and, and it just tends to lead towards, you know, July, August, and especially September are a little bit lower in returning months. Um, the fact that we hit the bull market in the early part of June, one of the interesting parts in all of the return numbers that are forward from that point, you know, from when we reach the bull market moving forward month forward returns out of after reach a bull market are pretty underwhelming so you know from effectively in this state or from this data point from june 8th to july 8th 
um, that forward one month return, not generally very high in, in the, in, to me, the reason I bring all this up is just, we've seen some consolidation over the last week in the market and it's not uncommon one, when we're in a seasonally slower part of the year. And then two, when we've seen such good gain that it's not uncommon for people to start taking some of those gains, you know, traders, algorithms, all that as a way to, to just take what they've got for the year and then they're going to look for their next entry point. And so, um, the market is all of that's been going on thus far in the year has been playing to the, what the statistics have been telling us that it was going to play to now that we're at this point, Felipe, what, what statistics, what are you looking at that tell us, okay, here's where we've been. Now where are we heading moving forward? Well, yeah, to kind of, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, there's other historical data and charts out there that we've been paying attention to that, that sort of confirm what you've kind of been talking about and what you've been saying, you know, with historically, when we see a strong first half, usually we see a very strong second half that follows up. We looked at some data dating back to, to the 1950, uh, and we compiled some data from some of our research firms, and we've, they've shown that since 1950, if the first half is greater than 10%, uh, the second half is averages about 12%. That's only true if the first, if the, the prior year, obviously 2022 was a negative year. And that and that's kind of why we, we these numbers are compiled and are very relevant to what we're talking about now. Now you touched on um how the market's done fairly well uh over a year to date. We're wrapping up the first half of the year here on Friday. Uh, I think roughly the market's up right around 13 to 13%, give or take. I know like you did talk about. Uh, the last five of the last six trading days have been have been down, but we've only given up like roughly two percent of those five of those five days. So it's it's, it's remained relatively strong. So what uh, you know to touch on that, the reason we still remain very optimistic on stocks is you know obviously the history going back to 1950 supports that. Um, looking at that data since 1950, there's been 22 instances when the S and P 500 is up 10 percent by mid year with a prior year negative. The median second half return is eight percent, with an eighty-two percent win ratio. Excuse me, win ratio. This implies S and P five hundred um, up to forty-seven hundred percent year end, with kind of related in that numbers. And actually, sorry, that's just twenty-two instances uh, between nineteen fifty now, with when the, when the market's up first half ten percent. When the market's up first half ten percent, and the prior year has been negative. Uh, there's more, uh, another nine instances. The median second half return has been 12% with an 89% win ratio. Uh, so that that supports both whether the prior year was negative or the prior year was not negative, that we have a fairly strong chance or fairly strong probability that the market's going to be up and be up fairly significantly with those medians falling around 8 and 12%. So that's fairly fairly strong data. One of the only exceptions that we saw out there that uh, in those nine instances when the uh, market did not go up in the second half, but was up in the first half uh, was in 1975. But in 1975, that first half was up 38%. So obviously the market had overextended itself during that time frame uh, and wasn't, wasn't primed to pull back. So I think even with that, it, it still was relatively positive. So, you know, also, we're seeing stocks recover at record paces. That's something that you know normally are indicated when we see the starts of bull markets. We see stocks recover at a, at a quick pace. 
uh, just to name a few, um, we've seen a stock like Meta, for instance, has recovered from $88 a share to $288 in about 225 days between 2022 and 2023. If you look back at Meta's stock between 2015 and 2020, it took 1,888 days to raise from 20 uh, from $88 to $288. So you're seeing this recovery at at, re at breakneck pace. Uh, you have more examples in Google and NVIDIA and AMD, Apple, Netflix, Microsoft, Amazon. So some of those really high flying tech names that were, were really, really beat up significantly last year have all started to kind of come out of uh, other shell and recovered at a, at a significant pace. So these are all, again, positive signs and positive indicators that we are moving into a new bull market and that we, we feel confident that the second half should be very, very strong. Now, I know one of the big things that people have tended to pay attention to is the Fed and what's the Fed going to do? Are they going to stay higher for longer? Uh, we did get a rate uh, a rate pause last uh, last month, so we're actually about to get a bunch of economic data that comes out this week. I think we get GDP revisions, uh, we get corporate profits for for Q1, we get durable goods, new home sales, personal income, and consumer spending for May, and I think we get home prices for April. Uh, I think we get some regional manufacturing reports for June as well. So by the end of the week, we should probably get a little bit better understanding of some of the underlying trends that are out there in the economy uh and then but one of the reports that i like to follow a lot and, and more significantly is just not as publicized is the is the money report is the money supply you know it's, it's m1 m2 and m3 and i don't know if we've talked about that in the past uh let me pull it up here with, with uh what that actually means m1 is is the measure of the money in the united states money supply so M1 includes money in circulations plus checkable uh, deposits in banks. M2 includes all of M1 plus savings deposits that are under 100,000 and money market under 100,000 money market mutual funds. And then M3 includes M2 plus larger deposits in banks. So what we've been seeing is that that money supply has been tightening and that the Fed has been tightening and it's taking its effects. Uh, we've started to see that in certain areas and certain things that have started to kind of key measures have started to kind of slow down. And, and one of the major uh, stimulus to this this new bull market is that the inflation reports have started to come in lighter than expected and have started to come down. So this this in turn, we want to see how how tight the money supply has been. Is it going to continue to be fairly tight, which is going to help us try to get back to that Fed's 2% target inflation, which is ultimately the threshold that the Fed is trying to hit? Um, so it's something that I'm going to be paying close attention to. Um, is there anything else that you're kind of looking at, Chad, or anything in particular that you, you're focusing on right now? Yeah, well, I think it's also good to bring up. So we've, we've walked through this from a technical side and, and got and brought some data points into this. I, I think it's also good to, to look at it from a, like just a, a fundamental point or even just like anecdotal references that help support this. And a few things that I think are, are important that and help tell the same story that we're saying that that these these examples back this the statistics. So a couple different items here or, or bullet points. So the first thing is what's been interesting to note is if you look at IPOs, 
there's been a massive increase in how many IPOs are coming into the marketplace. And what I mean by that is like, if you just look at it for the first two weeks of June of 2023, we had over 30 billion in IPOs. If you compare that to the entirety of June in 2022, June of 2022 only had 19 billion of IPOs. What's the significance? Effectively, in, in, in a short in a short response is, you have the C-suites that are running these companies that are saying, hey, there's an opportunity to now go public with our stock that the marketplace is supportive of that. If, if the C-suites are saying this, it, the idea and this fear around a recession or at least a, a, a significant recession seems like this would fight that, that narrative, right? That they're saying, hey, it's a good time to go public with our, our stock because the marketplace is healthy. Secondarily, uh, earnings per share. Now, we've we talked about this back at the beginning of the year, saying that we didn't feel the EPS was a big driving f- factor for how the market was going to do this year, um, and and still staying along with that trend. But noticing what we're seeing from EPS as the year progresses, and I think what's interesting is if you look at like where the year over year declining EPS is coming from, the sectors are staples: uh, energy, healthcare, materials, real estate. So this is going to be defenses, uh, defensive sectors as well as commodities. Juxtapose that with the year-over-year positive revisions to growth, and you have sectors, technology, consumer discretionary, industrials, communication services. These are all cyclical. So the defensive versus the cyclical argument would be that the positive revisions to growth being in the cyclicals would support the narrative that it's more of a risk on, which is the same thing that IPOs are telling us. Um, looking at things like from, we, we talked about the AAII survey from time to time, which just gives us an idea of the overall bullishness versus bearishness between uh, investors. And recently we've been seeing headlines about how oh, investors are, are turning bullish and, and sentiment gauges are getting uh, overrun here, being too bullish, too bullish, too bullish. Well, if you look at it, and especially over time, like a 52-week average here, we're in the longest streak in that same AAII survey of being negative, which is 18 months. One week of bullishness or even a couple weeks of bullishness doesn't offset what we what, what has happened over the last year and a half. And you know, if you just look back to the, the last major pullback that we've seen and not, not even like past COVID back to 08, 09, um, we saw this play itself out very much the same. And in May of 09, sentiment started to turn bearish. Or I'm sorry, started to turn bullish. Well, stocks had a pretty good 10-year run after that, right? And and I think that that's the other point to, to consider is we look at investing through the long-term lens and saying, hey, yeah, maybe we'll see a little bit of, of chop in the market over the next few months, but more positives and negatives moving forward. Um, and I think just going off of that point, just headlines in general, we see so much that, yeah, you, you know, the, the, the news out there is this is too, too bullish. You need to sell, get out of the market, get out of the market, get out of the market. And, you know, one of the research firms that we use actually compared some of the headlines from looking at like, you know, 2003, 2009, even going back to 82 to give you some representation of, of an inflation uh, generated issue for the market. And, Anyway, if you look at the headlines, if you look at that at like the six to nine month point from when the market had bottomed, they're always the same. 
the headlines are telling you, you got to get out, got to get out, got to get out. And then what does the market do out after those headlines? It continues to move up. And it's what I always go back to. And I say that the market is forward looking and pricing leads us. And so I think in, it, it, the last little point that I'll say more sentimentally engaged is there's a big element of, of the fear of missing out, right? There's been an abundance of cash on the sideline. It's over five and a half trillion or right around five and a half trillion dollars. And if you, if you just kind of watch and pay attention to what's being said out there, there are a, a, a litany of money managers that are openly admitting to the fact that they have missed this first six months. And the, both from an institutional and a retail side, people don't want to continue to miss out on the run. And I think when we start to see little sell-offs like you know, we had over the last you know, week or so, those are going to be met with buying opportunities. And where last year, anytime we saw a big run in the market, it was kind of a sell the rip. Now we're having a buy the dip. So anytime the market starts to drop down, these algorithms, these traders, these individual investors are going in and, and putting their money into work in that five and a half trillion dollars, I think is going to be deployed back into the market over the next you know few months, few years. That should give the market another lift um, as we work through what you know I, I just talked about before, which is getting into a new bull market. And so that's pretty much my the 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 high end look at what um, I'm seeing in terms of like a fundamental look towards the market combined with what we were talking about before more technically and and, and data driven. Um, I think you know we we we've gone through a lot of data and, and information here, Felipe, and you touched on a little bit on on the Fed. I think it's good to just conclude on this point, and and, and it's it's been one of the hardest things for any market analyst or strategists or economists to try to figure out what is the Fed going to do. And um, we, we definitely don't have any answers, but I, I know we have some thoughts on some of what Powell has said lately and, and the direction that we think we're going to head. Any big key points that you have that you'd like to touch on? I mean, just again, the Fed basically is kind of trying to get its sense of credibility back. Uh, I think, again, I think we've touched on this in past podcasts with regards to uh, they talked about inflation being transitory and it being a quick thing and then it lasting a lot longer. And they now have come out and admitted they've been very late to the game for raising rates. And then now they were raising rates at a breakneck pace that we haven't seen since the Volcker era. So we're kind of seeing some things right now that's sort of kind of the Fed sort of talking out of both sides of its mouth. I, I think it wants to come out and say it's going to try to put a kibosh on um, on inflation and, and is, is doing a decent job. But basically what I find hard is that we have the Fed basically coming out and doing a pause, which is sort of what we expected, uh, but then coming out and saying, even though we're seeing inflation come down, talk out talk out of their mouth to saying that we're going to see two more potentially rate hikes uh, through the end of the year, even though inflation is coming down at a, at, a, at a pretty good pace. So, you know, I think the Fed has to come out there and, and, and sort of voice its, its, its opinion and say, and voice, its, give its power and credence to say that. We're going to keep fighting inflation. We're, we're, we're poised to continue to raise rates. And they might even raise rates another quarter percent uh, here this month, uh, excuse me, here in July. Uh, I just think that what we're going to do is, is, is continue to watch the Fed, watch inflation. But I think what we're going to see is that they think they're going to have to be higher for longer. Um, but what some of the reports that we're seeing just don't seem to, to just to, to agree with that. And we'll have to kind of see when, when the Fed kind of puts its, you know, 
foot down and said, okay, we're, we're done raising. And I know where the market's has been lifting because we know they found, Powell came out and said that we're towards the end of the, the rate hiking cycle, uh, which is a good thing. So it's just something we're kind of paying attention to. I, I, like I said, the Fed's sort of kind of trying to gain its credibility back. It's sort of been talking out of both sides of its mouth. It's going to pause for a month, but then raise a quarter the next month and maybe two more. So uh, it's just going to be something we're keeping a very close eye on. But again, the money supply is something I'm going to keep a very close eye on because I think that gauges uh, where how much money is out in the economy that was flooded out there during COVID in 2020. You've talked about the five point something trillion dollars on the cash in the sidelines. That's actually up from four point seven trillion at the start of the year. So. I, like you said, there's a lot of people that have been sitting on the sidelines. And yes, while money market rates are up uh, and, and people are, are feeling a little better seeing their interest be higher and getting paid out on that money, uh, it's still nowhere near the 13% return that the S&P's 500 has paid out through this, through this year and, and the potential uh, median gains of 8 and 12% that we've seen in historical timeframes that have matched this first half. So uh, again, like, like Chad and I have said, you know, if, uh, if you ever have any questions or want to reach out to any of us, uh, please feel free to do that. Uh, Chad, I think you had one more thing you wanted to add before we wrap this up. Yeah, it, it, this will be quick. I think to what you're just talking about with regard to the Fed, um, that, like you said, it, there's, it's just been an incongruent message. And just even this idea of like pausing this month to only ramp back up a rate hike makes no sense, right? Like nobody's sitting there being like, oh yeah, that, 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 that's, that is a logical move, right? Why would we even pause to only revamp, right? So it doesn't mean that they won't increase rates and it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's just, it doesn't, pa- it doesn't follow a logical pattern. And, but I, but the reason I bring all of this up in my final point on this is this is all talking about the Fed's dot plot where they're expecting rates to be. And without getting into all the different examples of this, suffic- suffice it to say that the dot plots are at best inaccurate on where future rates are going to be. And so because of that, I think the market has priced in the fact that you know we're, we're at likely where the terminal rate is going to be. And even if you look into 2024, uh, the, the, dot, the dot plot would tell us that um, they're going to be cutting. So either way, I think we're at a, we're at a peak with where the Fed's at and we should be, re, uh, they should be cutting rates in, in a very near future. And I think the market has priced all this in and the, the concern around increased rates has really abated. And so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, as Felipe was alluding to, if you have any questions, if there's anything you want to discuss further, please feel free to reach out to, to us. Um, we hope you have a wonderful day and thank you for taking the time and listening.